You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey, everybody. Hey, friends. Hey, enemies who hate listen to my podcast, I suppose. It is episode 202 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. And today we are brought to you by GameAt.eu, who's been a longtime sponsor, and our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons, led by none other than Mother Flippin' Lords Mike and Kojo. So, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we are talking about the real talk is a game review of Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate for the PC, and I don't know what consoles it might be on, but I played it on PC. And I know it's a little out of the ordinary, but it is a Warhammer game, and I'm giving you my opinions of it. Because, you know, my opinions are very valuable. I also cover the, I don't know, Dwarf Miner something, I don't know, for Necromunda. It's a squad of dwarves, whatever they're called. The the Hold on, you know, it would do a disservice not to get this right. Ironhead Squat Prospectors Gang. That is a mouthful. And then we also have a test rec mailbox from Justin, and he's wondering, why am I constantly whining about FAQs? It's really not a big deal. And I lay into him. Oh, boy, do I. Anyway, what have I been up to? My friend TJ's pretty much finished printing out my entire spaceship interior that I wanted to make for Star Trek. I'm pretty excited about that. But currently, we are way understaffed at work, so we are... Man, we don't have a whole lot of free time, and we're exhausted when we're done. So, um, that's exciting. And uh, really, in my free time, I mostly sit at home and stare at the wall and the air conditioning, because I'm very tired from work. And what else... Well, my Harlequins finally came in. My Harlequin, uh, whatever they're called, the Skyweaver. It's the one that everyone was spamming with the anti-tank weapons on it, or you can make it into the transport. Yeah, I got four of those finally from my store. I ordered them like four months ago, but they were out of stock when I ordered it. So I knew I was going to be waiting. It's not the store's fault. But I'm pretty excited to get those to get those built. Um... And what else did I do this this week at the store? Oh, I played my campaign game with my friend Connor, my brutality campaign game. And he was my opponent for July. And I had maximum insanity on three of my guys. And two of them passed their checks. But my leader went insane and wandered off. It's basically the only death situation that might happen in a campaign of brutality and if we ever play uh something in the wilderness with a wandering monster my character comes back as the wandering monster because they're confused and they've just went insane so that's pretty fun um and just james's character he also had one go crazy and wander off as well so that's pretty funny in like a morbid way and uh connor had one of his fighters become a coward (laughs) due to insanity so that's fun and uh, so our game, we tied four to four. It was a very tight game. We were trying to take captives. So we're trying to knock each other out and then drag each other off the board. And um, come to find out, um, I drug one person off the board for three points and I knocked one out for one point. And then he knocked two out, but then had one in his his possession at the end and that gave him four points. So we tied four to four and it was not bad, except I lost my leader. Oh, that hurts because I really like that character. 
So now my old orc named Mott, my weapons dealer, is now the uh, the new leader. And um, I used the knob. He's actually a knob, not an orc. I used the knob banner bearer from the old metal model. And I just took the icon off the top of it. So he's like holding the staff. And the way he's holding the staff makes it look like he's really resting against the staff like he's old. I painted him gray. And I took a bunch of Warhammer weapons and green stuffed a brown bag around them. So right behind him is like all these weapons sticking out of a bag. And I made him a sentry because, you know, he's not real aggressive. But if you get too close, he'll shoot you. And he's got this red shiny pistol. So I really like Mott. But um, my leader is gone. That's very sad. Really, that's about all I've been up to. I have not really been up to a whole lot due to the whole work situation. So I guess I won't belabor the podcast any longer. Let's get on to the first segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And this week we have an email from Justin, and he writes at pimpcron at gmail.com, Yo, pimp! I don't really get the reasoning behind not wanting to keep up with the FAQs or tweaks on your codex. I feel that everyone should play by the rules and stay up to date. I will admit that I enjoy tournaments more than casual play, but I think I'd feel that way even if I wasn't. Or if I didn't, I guess I should say. In most cases, the FAQs are minor or just a few tweaks. It's not like there is an entire new book being made. Why not just put in the minimal effort to stay up to date? I don't mean to I don't mean that to sound the way it probably did. I'm not hating. It just seems like everyone makes a big deal out of it when it is really minor. I enjoy your show, Justin. Thank you for writing in Justin. You guys can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. And Justin, you can go to hell. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Justin, thank you for writing in. And in the grand scheme of things, you know what? You are very much right. It is pretty minor, you know, there's people starving out there, there's people with terminal illnesses, and here I am griping about a company trying to fix what they messed up in my game. So, yes, Justin, you're 100% right, but, and I feel like you felt like there was a big but coming, but, it's not the fact of not liking the FAQs or not wanting to keep up with my game in my personal case. It's that, as I've stated many, many times, I've got lots of stuff going on in my personal time. The four kids, running a business, a convention, all that stuff, okay? And my free time is pretty limited, and I valued it a great deal. So, I don't know if you actually listened to the episode where I had Andrew on, who was a listener, and he had his top 10 request for 10th edition, but on there, I kind of put it the best way I can put it, and it's like if I was going to meet you at a certain time, Justin, and I said 3 o'clock, and then I texted back a half hour later, I'm like, oh, no, no, it's got to be 4 o'clock, and then later on, I'm like, oh, no, I can I can meet at one thirty, and then I'm, oh, I can't meet at all, and then I text back, and go, oh, no, I can meet now, but I can only meet at 4.30, and then I text back and go, oh, no, 3 o'clock is fine. Eventually, you'd be like, dude, Get your act together and let me know when you're available. I don't need this constant back and forth, constant trickle of information. You're driving me nuts. And that's basically how I feel with Games Workshop, is I feel like their codexes are poorly designed, they're poorly balanced, and then 
and that's a, that's a, actually assuming that they're not intentionally doing this to drive up sales and then fix it afterwards. That's the assumption that they're not doing that. They very well could be because it's such a routine thing for each new codex to be crazy good and broken, and then they, they retract it a month later. I don't know if that's the case or not. So giving them the benefit of a doubt, uh, it seems like they are very sloppy put together and they are not well play tested or balanced. And then they have to go, oh, wait, wait, no, a month later, or in some cases a week later, or in some cases, same day FAQs. And then sometimes they get the FAQs wrong and then they've got to FAQ the FAQs. And it just seems schizophrenic. The whole thing seems schizophrenic. So you're right. In a perfect world, when we're dealing with a competent company that makes codexes and they have their act together, then yes, my once per year or twice per year FAQ, I'd be like, okay, fine, I can deal with that. But it feels like it's a constant thing. And the problem, they made the problem and then they make the solution to it. You know, it's like you really can't credit them too much for trying to fix things that they broke it's like my kid knocks something off the counter and breaks it but then he tries to fix it and it's not exactly as good as it used to be but then people are like applauding him for fixing it when he's the one that broke it to begin with and it's still not entirely fixed and then later on he's got to go back and glue it back together again and then like again and it's never quite the way it was originally but it's because he's the one that broke it to begin with. So, you know, I mean, there is some credit to be given there, but not a whole lot of credit. And um, I didn't take what you said offensively either. I'm not, I don't think you're a hater. It's just that me personally, I like conciseness. So thank you for rating in, Justin. I'm glad you do keep up with the FAQs. And I do to a very minor extent, but... Uh, you mentioned you like playing tournaments, and of course, if you're playing tournaments, you gotta keep up with it. Like, I don't blame you there. Also, I have a bunch of codexes. I have so many different armies that just keeping up with buying the books is pretty grueling at the at the pace that they come out. So, that's also another problem. Anyway. Alright, well, thank you for writing in, Justin, and I will see you guys on the next side of this music. Want that, or want that not? Well, you know what time of the episode it is. It is Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and today we are covering the Ironhead Squat Prospector's Gang for Necromunda, which is basically a precursor for all of the squat stuff we'll be getting for 40k. What do we get in this? Well, we get two, four, six, eight different squats, and they have pretty ridiculous looking helmets on. They are short and somewhat pudgy like you'd expect them to be. They do look a bit like Caradron Overlords. One thing I do notice is that they don't have beards. Not a single one of them. Well, one guy's got a goatee, but none of them have big beards. Most of them are actually clean shaven and they look rather cartoony. I'm finding a hard time finding literally anything I like about these models. I know some of you are going to have a hard time with that because some of you probably love them. I do not find them very inspired and I find them to be cartoony and weird looking. You know, <laughs> you know what their helmet looks like. Their helmet looks like the uh, Lord Farquaad from Spaceballs. They have a giant helmet and a little teeny head, and that's what it looks like. Lord Farquaad. Wasn't that the 
Darth Vader character's name? I think it was. Anyway, the Darth Vader helmet from Spaceballs is what their helmet looks like. Now, there is a helmet variation on this, which I don't know if you get enough for all of them or not, but there is a variant where it's just like a slit. It's like an enclosed helmet, and there's a slit for their eyes, and that does look cooler. And ironically, their symbol has a skull that has a beard, but none of these idiots have beards, except one guy that was slightly honoring his heritage and got a goatee. Their weapons are not really recognizable as anything in particular, so I don't know if they are bolters or if they're melt-a-guns. They almost look like melt-a-guns, but I doubt that's the case. Their leader obviously has like a, a long-staffed warhammer, and he's got like a little gun on his shoulder, and it appears that he's got a power fist. But these look comical. I don't see a single thing out about them that I like at all. And eight models for $47 is not doing me any favors having to pay, uh, what, $6 each for these things. So, unfortunately, I find nothing, nothing I can like. This is absolutely a want that not for me. $47 for eight dudes that all look pretty goofy. I hate to rain on anybody's parade, but this is a short want that or want that not because there's just nothing to say about these models. So that is a want that not. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Well, hello all y'all, this is Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and I'm going to do something today that I don't typically do, and that is review a video game. Isn't that kind of odd? But it is a Warhammer video game, so for a little bit of backstory before I cover Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate and give you my opinions of it, um, before I do that, I'm going to tell you that XCOM is one of my all-time favorite games ever, and... I'm a huge fan of turn-based games, whether it be turn-based RPGs or turn-based uh, tactical games or anything like that. But really, XCOM really set the bar high, and I have not really yet seen a game that matches XCOM's streamlined, cut-to-the-chase, some narrative which is interesting enough to keep you going, but not fetch quests going, oh, go talk to this person, go talk to that person. And I don't have a whole lot of patience for all that. Anybody that has like a lot of hours at work they do each week or they have kids or wife or just a, just a busy life in general, you probably can sympathize with the fact that I don't like to waste my time, especially on video games or things like that where I, you know, I have so many other things to do that I need to stay productive all the time, like Brutality or Brutal Space or whatever, or Shorehammer or the podcast or my comedy sketches or whatever. I stay very busy in my my passive time. So when a game like XCOM is very streamlined, it throws you right in the action. You get to do tactical war gaming essentially on your computer. It is very refreshing. It's very cut to the chase basically. And I appreciate that. Well, that's basically spoiled me for any other game that I'm ever going to play. So it's very hard to find a game that is that terse and to the point as XCOM is, and it fits my lifestyle. Not to mention it's not a Twitch game, so it's a turn-based game that means I can pause it every time my children come up to me to ask me a question or want to show me something or look what I can do, you know, and, and all that. So XCOM is the perfect spot for me. Specifically, XCOM 1 was 
in my opinion, especially with the expansions, is a one of the best games ever created. Now, I really do enjoy XCOM 2 as well. I've beat XCOM 1 probably six times, I guess, something like that, all the way to the end. And I've played it on Iron Man mode and all that where you can't uh, save scum and go back and load a save. Like when your people die, they die for real. And um, XCOM 2, I've played through probably four times, five times, something like that. And at first, obviously, without War of the Chosen and all those expansion packs, but eventually with those as well. And my son and I have played through XCOM and XCOM 2 completely through together as well. We had our own characters, and that was really fun. And then they came out with Chimera Squad for XCOM, and that is a very different animal, but it was still enjoyable. Not quite as enjoyable as the other two, but... Um, so that's basically my backstory for what type of game I like. Now, when I heard that they were going to come out with an XCOM style Warhammer 40k game, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to hear this. A turn-based, tactical, XCOM style game on a grid and all of that, taking cover and having special abilities and all that. I was super, super excited. And then when Chaos Gate dropped, I immediately bought it, so did Just James, and I started playing it with my son, and this is basically my takeaway. Keep in mind that I probably got half the way through the game, okay? I did not get all the way through, and you, it will be apparent, to be honest with you, it will be apparent when we get into the details of this game. First off, do I think this is a bad game? In no stretch of the imagination. I think they actually executed it very well. It's a very fun game. You've got, you know, action points and things like that. you got to reload your weapons, and, and there's Overwatch and all sorts of stuff. Lots of tactical stuff. The missions can get a little bit samey. Basically, the entire time you're playing Grey Knights, and you're trying to stop the plague that is brought about by Nurgle Demons. So the entire time you're playing against Nurgle Demons. And um, I'm going to try to do no spoilers whatsoever, but basically you're fighting Nurgle, Nurgle demons and they keep having these blooms that come up of like an infection and they're taking over solar systems and all of that, which is very similar to XCOM where you had your different panic levels of the different countries where the aliens are slowly taking over. And if you ignore certain regions, then they're going to ultimately go into chaos and unrest and all of that. Um, so it is very similar in that way. There's also some periodic narrative decisions you can make that take the form of like a, um, a voice chat call from the Grandmaster or whatever, and he's trying to get you to do one thing, and the character's trying to make you do other things, the Inquisitor that you're working with. And it's all very, very good. I mean, there's nothing really bad about it in any way, and I did enjoy making different decisions, who I'm going to side with, etc. We will start with the graphics. The graphics in this game, I think, are beautiful. It's got just a slightly cartoony vibe, but I think it really does illustrate everything well. And I love the animations, uh, like when you're throwing grenades, although it can get a little tiresome after a while. But every time, or at least I think it's every time, pretty much every time you throw a grenade with one of your, your Grey Knight guys... It slow mows and it throws the grenade and then the grenade, you know, floats through the air as he's throwing it and then time speeds up and then it explodes or whatever. And there's lots and lots of cool stuff. They've done a lot of things in the game like um, the terrain is destructible and you go up there like if the door is locked, you just go up there and like kick the door open and 
there's a there's a really lot of cool touches they've put into it. They've obviously put a lot of effort into it, and I think everything about the game is beautiful. I think it is a gorgeous game, all the menus and all that. Now, the menus can actually get a little overstimulating, like, because when you're back at the base on your ship, the character, whoever you're talking to, is fairly brightly colored, and then you've got, like, this neon overlay, which is, like, all of your options, and then there's other brightly colored colors in the background, like, there might be, like, a sun in the background, or some planet, or... There's just a lot of colors on the screen, but once again, that doesn't really detract from the gameplay. So I'm, and let's talk about gameplay. The tactics are still fun. The Overwatch is fun. The use of grenades are fun. You start unlocking all sorts of abilities. I like how you essentially have four different skill trees that each one of your people can start choosing from, and then you can work your way down those skill trees and make them um, pretty pretty badass. Honestly, I mean that each character can get pretty cool. Um, all sorts of neat interceptor stuff with your Grey Knight interceptors where they can teleport and teleport multiple times and hit multiple people and, and stuff like that. The combat is quite fun. I personally felt like some things in the game weren't always well explained. And like, for instance, um, they had these uh, feculent narmals would pop up and then all these cast space marines, um, plague marines would be around them. And it didn't, it wasn't always clear at first, like sometimes you have to play through it once or twice to figure out what you're supposed to do, or look online or whatever, but the feculent normal would end up, you know, healing people near it, or affecting them in some way that's really making them pretty much impossible to kill. And if you're not targeting the normal, then you're going to be in trouble, because meanwhile these plague marines are beating the snot out of your people, so... Um, there's a, several things in the game that didn't really make a whole lot of sense, or maybe they expected you to, like, inspect the enemy, you know, like, select the enemy, inspect it, and go, oh, this is what they're good at, this is what they do. Um, once again, not always clear. But, overall, I think the tactics and the gameplay are pretty fun, the missions are pretty cool, and you've got this bloom effect, which is basically, um... Over time, over the mission, the bloom fills up, and when it gets to 100%, then basically this chaos warp gate opens, and then stuff starts spawning in, like, um, what are the zombie guys for Death Guard? I cannot think of what they're called right now, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Blight... I don't remember what they're called. But the zombies, they will come out, or Chaos Space Marines will come out, or I should say uh, Death Guard Marines, Plague Marines come out, and um, all sorts of stuff. It's a very, very cool game overall. But you're wondering, why didn't I finish the game? Why did both me and my son both lose interest about halfway through the game? And so did Just James independently. Because I knew he was playing it too. And at first, it was one of those water cooler things at work. You know, we'd stop for lunch at work and then we'd talk. We'd be like, oh, did you run into this yet? Oh, no. Did you run into that? You know, and it was, it was really cool. It was fun to be exploring a game at the same time as the other player. And then I noticed we hadn't talked about it for a week or two. And I had not been playing it because I kind of lost interest in it. And I asked James. I was like, hey, just James, you've been playing um, Chaos Gate? And he's like, uh, nah, I just haven't felt the urge to play it. And I'm like, well, that's odd, because usually James, I don't always finish games. Although I've finished XCOM multiple times is how much I love it. He almost always beats games. I mean, 90% of the time, he does not lose interest. He will beat a game if he buys it. And when him and I started discussing it, we actually had the same exact 
problem. And the reason why we lost interest is because this is a Grey Knights versus Nurgle Demons game. And while he was a little annoyed that there's no other Chaos Demons in it, um, like in the very in the tutorial, there's a Bloodthirster. But this entire game, I'm assuming they're leaving it for DLC that you'll fight the other demons probably. But um, in the in the core game, there's only Nurgle Demons. He got a little sick of that. That really didn't bother me. Um, I think they were different enough that it was still interesting. But between the Plague Bearers and all that. But what we could both agree on is that there is not enough variation in your characters. And what that really comes down to, oddly enough, is that this should not have been a Grey Knights game. This, All the problems that we see in the game would be fixed if this were a Death Watch game. And it were not against demons, but let's say Tyranids or Orcs or whoever you wanted. And the problems we saw with it is that all the things in XCOM, like character customization, right? In XCOM, I like all of my melee guys to have red armor. I like my heavy weapons guys to have yellow armor, my medics to have white, my snipers to have blue. And that way I can easily identify them even if I'm zoomed out. I go, oh, there's a sniper, he's in blue, right? Well, the problem with Chaos Gate is that you cannot change the color of the armor at all because they're supposed to be gray knights, right? Well they end up all looking the exact same on the screen. So when you're cycling through, or like me and my son were doing, we each take, let's say, two guys, and um, so we have four people on our team, all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, sorry, I just activated this guy. This was my guy. This was your guy I just activated because he looks just like the other guy. And if they're, like, if they're both interceptors, it says interceptor, on the screen, and then you have to read their name, because they're all generic white dudes, if you don't have helmets on, and they all have the same prefix if they're the same type of person, and meanwhile, the HUD is very bright in your eyes, so the whole thing is, like, really slightly confusing, and this sounds like a nitpick, but honestly, it did kind of take us out of the game, so in order to even identify who my people were versus my son's people, I decided to take the helmet off all of my guys so he could have the helmeted guys because he liked that look better, and then I at least knew who was mine and who was his, but then, you know Grey Knights, right? The Interceptors, the Strike Squad, the Purgation Squad, all of those squads are in the from the same box. They use the same box in real life. So all these models look essentially the same. You have to zoom in or look real hard to see that the Interceptor has those little teeny bars on the back of his, the teleporter bars on the back of his backpack. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that really did affect it for us, is that one of the things is you could not tell your people apart and you couldn't even customize them. Yes, you can give them different, you know, heads. You can take the helmet off, you can put the helmet on, you can give them different, like, Little odds and ends, purity seals or whatever, but none of it's enough to actually show who is who on the battlefield, and you can't change the color of them or anything like that. So, that was a big strike against them. If you were playing Death Watch, you very easily could change at least the shoulder pad color, you know, where they keep their salamander shoulder pad or their ultramarine shoulder pad or whatever. And not to mention, the Death Watch has so many different units and gray knights absolutely do not so you have you don't have dreadnoughts or anything in there you've got terminators you've got your intercessors you've got your purgation you've got you know it's not um it's not very varied you have just 
less than a dozen different options to pick from, and far less, probably a half dozen different things to pick from for your people. Whereas XCOM, yes, you've got your you know, heavy, your sniper, your melee, your whatever, your medic, but then each one of those usually branch off into two different things. Are you going to have, like, is your heavy weapon squad going to be an ordnance guy where he shoots missiles and all of that, or is he going to have a Gatling gun? Um, or the same thing, like, is your medic going to be a medic, or is your medic going to be a hacker? That sort of thing in XCOM. Well, there are, I mean, you can pick different abilities that give them some variation, but there's no real role difference when it comes down to it in Chaos Gate. So you end up having a bunch of people that somewhat play the same and very much look the same. And Death Watch, once again, would not have that issue. You could change the color, shoulder pads or whatever, and you'd have different war gear and all of that, different unit types. If you did Death Watch, you could do Outriders, you could do Terminators, you can do Bikers, you could do Assault Marines, you could do a million different things. And Chaos Gate, you just can't do that. So we kind of lost interest in that, even though they do gain abilities over the course of the game. Another thing that bothered us, is something I've already touched on, is the war gear. You should probably know if you've taken a glance at Grey Knights that their war gear is very, very lacking. They have Nemesis hammers. They have Nemesis force staves. They have Nemesis Halberds, and they have Nemesis Falchions or whatever. So there's only like four different melee weapon types is all there is, right? There's no Power Fists, there's no Lightning Claws, there's nothing else that's interesting, basically. And then, what do you have for guns? Well, of course, the... what is it? The Purgation Squad? I'm going to get that wrong, I don't recall. But anyway, there is like technically a Heavy Weapons... Um, unit in Grey Knights that uses the incinerators and the side cannons and the um, uh, Gatling silencer or whatever it's called. But even them, they have, what, three options? They have three heavy options, and all of those are basically not very good heavy weapons to begin with. There's no las cannons, melted guns, assault cannons. There's none of that. And uh, overall, I just think Death Watch, and James agreed with me, Death Watch would have been a far superior choice for being able to upgrade weapons and research new weapons and things like that. And the Grey Knights, they only have those weapons, and the only way that those weapons upgrade in this game is that you acquire new ones that look identical to the old one but have better stats. So it's like, oh, this is a, a Storm Bolter. Okay, well, I found another Storm Bolter, and now it's got an extra purity seal on it, and it does some extra damage. Okay, that's great. But when you look at the model, it's still just a Storm Bolter. Like, there's nothing special or interesting about it. And it just ends up being that you've got, like, geez, what, four melee weapons, okay? And your your other squad has, what, three or four heavy weapons and then Storm Bolters. So there's, like, less than ten weapons to choose from for the entire game. And you keep upgrading them by just getting ones with a plus one extra stat. And it's super boring. And that's the thing with XCOM is that they're constantly re researching. You start out with bullets and then you end up doing um, laser beam weapons. And then you eventually do plasma. And you upgrade all along and it gives you a real sense of accomplishment. And the, the armor looks cooler. You upgrade better armor. You upgrade better weapons. It's just, it's a completely different feel than Chaos Gate. 
And there's just not that sense of progression that you get in XCOM. Once again, I think Chaos Gate is a perfectly fine game. It's beautiful in a lot of respects, and they do a lot of things good or well. But it just did not hold our attention. The character customization, you cannot get connected to a character in any way because you can't change them to, yes, you can rename them however you want, but they really can't be changed in any way. Like in XCOM, I would change all of my entire team to be people people I knew. So, you know, my wife looks vaguely like my wife. My daughter looks vaguely like my daughter. You know, mine looks vaguely like me. I mean, obviously, it's not a real deep character creator, but at least you can change their hair, their hair color, their facial hair, face structure, all of that. Whereas in Chaos Gate, that's completely missing. And even though I'm not expecting you to have a huge character creator... I really feel like making this about Grey Knights versus Nurgle Demons would is a complete missed opportunity when Death Watch would be an infinitely better um, choice for, for your player faction. So, all in all, it's hard to give this game a grade because it did not hold my interest. Because it's kind of lame on the, on the personalization side, you know? So, XCOM... Okay, let's do this. XCOM 1, I give an A+. I think it's fantastic. XCOM 2 is a very different game than XCOM 1, but I give that probably an A, right? Especially with the War of the Chosen and all that. XCOM 2 is an A. Chimera Squad is like a B, B-. Yeah, I'd say a B- for Chimera Squad. It's totally fine. It's just not that great. I would put this in between Chimera Squad and XCOM 2. Uh, Chimera Squad also does not allow you to customize your characters at all. They come with pre-named characters. You can't change a single thing about them. But uh, Chimera Squad also was a little cheap feeling. Like, I bought it for, like, what is it, $5 or something when it first came out? Like, for the first month it was released several years ago, I think 2020... They um they released it for like ten dollars or something for the first month, and then they then it went up to like forty or whatever. And it really feels more like a DLC than a game, and that's why I would rank that lower than Chaos Gate because Chaos Gate is legitimately a full game, and it's beautiful. It's got great graphics. It's got graphics better than any of the XComs. It's a beautiful game, and I really like the bloom mechanic, and they did some really cool stuff with Chaos Gate. The problem is, is if you can't connect to your characters and you don't get a real sense of progression, like in your research and your loadout and all of that, it's just not as interesting, unfortunately. It just truly isn't. So my final verdict would be is that if you don't mind not having basically any character creation whatsoever and you're in love with Grey Knights or you love fighting demons or you love XCOM or whatever, I would give this game probably a B. It's a it's a fairly good game, and it's got a lot of good things going for it, but there are some serious drawbacks, like a lack of weapons and a lack of different units. That just really kills it for me, unfortunately. And me and my son basically abandoned it. Now, I may come back to it at some point, but it's just... I don't know. My, my heart's really not in it for some reason. And I play Grey Knights. I like Grey Knights. But just could not hold my interest. So... It's about a B, and technically this was a want that or want that not. <laughs> so it is a lukewarm want that from the Pimp Crown, I suppose.
Thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show, and thank you for my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, oh-so-buff Patreon patrons. Thank you for supporting the show. I'll see you next week.